the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today as we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel, David's success in battle makes him complacent and opens the door for temptation and sin to creep into his heart. We'll pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. The title of the message is David's Fall the affair. Second Samuel chapter 11. As we are moving through the book of Second Samuel, the theme is a heart after God, but we're moving into a stage of David's life where his heart is, is certainly not going to be a heart after God. I do probably need to throw out a, a word of caution because you need the full story, of course, to get the full picture on these topics but because there's so many important things to address here, we will probably move through it pretty slowly. Chapter 10 of 2 Samuel ended with the Syrian kingdoms repledging their loyalty to David. All that remains now from the rebellion is dealing with the Ammonites. And when David sends Joab to lead the campaign against Ammon, <laughs> again, instead of going himself, he finds himself in a heap of trouble. And that trouble is caused by a series of degrading decisions. And that's kind of where we're going to be in this process of moving through these next few chapters, these series of degrading decisions. Decisions where God puts plenty of warning signs and speed bumps in front of David so that he would turn around. But because David puts himself in a position that sets himself up for failure, he ignores all those warning signs and speed bumps, and he enters into a sexual affair that will change his life forever. So Second Samuel chapter 11, we begin in verse 1. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. This moves very rapidly, obviously. Everything's been moving upward for David up to this point. And now all of a sudden, we just jump off this cliff. 
we start here, we didn't start with a cliff. Like this, like when we talk about these things, it doesn't start with God's blessing and working in my life. And all of a sudden I go, hey, there's a cliff. There were things that led to this. And even though we only have a few verses, we're going to see the setup for this plunge, this, this dive, this belly flop in a sense, you know, spiritually for David in his life. It starts off by telling us, and it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon. The phrase there, after the year was expired, it it means toward the return of spring. This would be mid to late March. Winter would be the cold and rainy season in that region. I know that's not necessarily us. Our rainy season is in the summer, but although it's always rainy season in Florida. But winter would be the cold and rainy season there in Israel. Not a good time for war, and certainly in particular, not a good time for a siege. It mentions this time of mid to late March at the time when kings go forth to battle. If nations were at war, kings would open their campaign that they were planning throughout the winter. They would usually open it in spring. In fact, the month of March is named after Mars, the Roman god of war. And so it tells us in that time, they had been planning the campaign against Ammon all throughout the winter. Spring comes that David sends Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. Just like last time, when the problem came up with the Ammonites, David did not go himself. He sends Joab. And, and of course, remember, Joab's armies get surrounded. They're in a bit of a bind. And, they, and Joab comes up with this plan, and, and they, they end up uh, dividing their forces to defeat the multiple enemies that are coming at them. It says he sent Joab. He also this time, though, sends his servants. He would be all of his military officers, his highest, brightest minds, and then all Israel. So it's not just part of the Israeli army, but the full might of the Israeli army. So it is a little bit different this time, but David himself does not go. Now, David certainly didn't lead every military mission that happened in Israel, but I'm not sure why. Honestly, I don't know. When you look at the scripture, it doesn't give us any indication of why. I don't know why David had this aversion to leading the army against the Ammonites. When they fought against the rebellion up north, he led them there. Every other time we see them out fighting, David's leading them. This is the only time, for whatever reason, with the Ammonites that David just doesn't go out. Perhaps he saw it as a, a small thing, not requiring his physical presence to lead. I don't know. Whatever his reasoning, David we do see, though, has gotten out of the habit of seeking the Lord about Israel's battles. When we start off his invasion of the Philistines' land, he goes to the Lord about every single fight. It doesn't tell us he didn't, but it also doesn't tell us he did. So it seems that David has gotten out of the habit of seeking the Lord about these battles when he first became the king. And I truly believe that if David had sought the Lord about where he was supposed to be during this campaign, he would have never had opportunity to find himself in this tempting situation, which brings up a very important truth. Frequently in temptation, especially when dealing with sexual temptation, Christians will trick themselves into thinking, well, I should be able to handle this. I should be able to beat this. Next time will be different. And yet Paul consistently gave a very different command when it came to sexual sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, a really simple command from Paul. Flee fornication. Flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual sin, all right? 
Like in, in many things in life, when the enemy comes up, you got to stand your ground. You got to get ready to fight. With sexual temptation, Paul says, do not do that. He says, run. I love what Pastor Gibbs said once in one of his sermons. He said the word for flee is fugo, and that's because it means fool, go. (laughs) What are you hanging around for? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Stay away. And if it catches you off guard, then run away from the temptation. Let's actually look at 2 Timothy 2.22 because it tells us where to go to. This is the part that a lot of times you may not hear about. So, oh yeah, I know I'm supposed to flee sexual temptation. Yes, but you're supposed to run somewhere, not just haphazardly anywhere. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lusts, but... Pursue righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Now, those sound like good things, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, that's right. I'm not, instead of focusing on, you know, the, these immoral things, I should be pursuing these things. Yes, but there's more. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, when you're in this situation, you're not supposed to tackle it by yourself. If you're going to attempt to tackle this by yourself, you're going to fail. Stay away, or if it catches you off guard, run away from the temptation and surround yourself with those who have pure hearts. That's what it says, right? Surround yourself with those who have pure hearts. Defeating sexual temptation is mostly about setting yourself up for success. Now, are you going to sometimes find yourself in a Joseph and a Potiphar's wife type of situation? Are you going, is that going to happen sometimes? Sure. There are times, you know, I don't watch much football these days, but in the past when I would watch it, when you'd be there and all of a sudden the commercial comes on, and you're like, oh, let's go look at the game on the other channel. I mean, sometimes you're not looking for it, and boom, it's just there. But even though that happens, most victories will be found by not being there, by just not being there. And when they do arise, by immediately getting away from the source of temptation and surrounding yourself with those who have pure hearts so that it, it gets you out of that mode. Now, I'm going to get a little personal here. So if this offends you, tough. That means surrounding yourself with television and movie industry people is the exact opposite of surrounding yourself with those who have pure hearts. If you spend lots of time either watching movies or watching TV and you've got a problem with sexual morality, whether it's pornography, you know, adultery, flirtations, inordinate affection, whatever. If these are issues that you have and that's a regular part of your diet, then you need to eliminate that from your diet. They do not have pure hearts in those industries. Did you know that since 2018, HBO requires intimacy coordinators to monitor the sets of its programs to ensure that sexual abuse doesn't happen when filming nude or simulated sex scenes? 
That the television industry and movie industry requires such things tells you just how off the deep end they are. We don't provide monitors for sexual predators. We put them in prison. The whole industry is filled with this glut of sexual desire and sexual sin. We don't assign mediators or coordinators to ensure that abuse doesn't happen. We put people like that away so they can't do it anymore. But you see, those industries aren't interested in purity or safety. They are cesspools of perversion. You can't have purity when you call sexual sin entertainment. So when these individuals, whether they're a filmmaker or an actor, become what you surround yourself with, how do you expect to escape unscathed? Proverbs says, can a man take fire into his bosom? And obviously the same is true for a woman. Can a woman take fire into her bosom and not be burned? The answer is no. At this point, even though David's probably, his first mistake is if he sought the Lord, the Lord probably would have told him, fool, go. But things seem to go well at first. It says here in verse 1, that they, the army that David sends, destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Uh, the word destroyed means to bring ruin upon. Second uh, Chronicles 20, verse 1, which is kind of a, the same, telling the same story, but with a different angle, a different writer, so giving some other thoughts. He says they, what they were destroying was not the people, but the countryside of the children of Ammon. They were just taking city after city after city after city. And their campaign plan was that, to wreck everything on their path to the capital city of Rabbah. And they were successful in that. Now, if David saw that the campaign against the Ammonites was something that didn't require his attention, the siege of Rabbah would be. And yet it mentions, but David's tarried still in Jerusalem. It gives us kind of an indicator here that, why are you still here? You're not supposed to still be here, and yet David is still tarrying in Jerusalem. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, we'll get to that in a little bit. After Joab captures the city, he actually doesn't take the army inside the city because David needs to be the one who takes the city so people don't start looking to Joab. And so he sends a letter to David, and he says, David, the city's captured. You need to get here lest people think I took the city, and they start looking to me. You're the king. You've been waiting too long. Now you got to come. So this is something that, that the scriptures tell us. He should not have been where he was. And yet for some reason, David still remains in Jerusalem. You know, it's interesting. The Bible tells us that one reason Israel wanted a king is because they wanted someone consistently to lead them into war. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 20, you know, we want a king who will go out before us in war and lead us out and bring us back home. And so, why was David so determined not to fulfill that role on this occasion? Again, the Bible doesn't tell us. We just don't know. But it does tell us that David's refusal to be out with his men, to choose a life of ease over sacrifice for whatever reason, that's when things took a bad turn. Look at verse 2. And it came to pass in an evening tide, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. The evening tide, late afternoon, it's toward the time of the evening. It's not night yet. He wouldn't be able to see very well if it was night. But it's late afternoon. The sun is just beginning to start to come down. 
Uh, Israel, the reason he's on his bed in the afternoon is a lazy king. No, Israel, they had something similar to a siesta time right at about noon because of the extreme heat. This is probably about three o'clock in the afternoon, maybe four o'clock. And so David, he gets up, he's taking a siesta, and then he gets up, and it tells us he's walking upon the roof of the king's house. And that word walked, it literally means he was pacing back and forth. David's palace had a large roof that overlooked everything in the city. And David's not just out trying to be a peeping Tom, okay? The roof was the place of leisure in, uh, in Israel's homes. So the place of leisure for David and his palace was up on a very large roof. It's kind of the equivalent of the living room with the TV set, you know, and the, the, the comfortable couches and stuff like that. I mean, this is something you'll see consistently throughout Scripture of why they're on the roof. It's a place of relaxation. David is trying to relax. He's trying to relax. He's trying to enjoy the fact that he's not on the front lines. He's not out there sleeping in a tent every night. And yet he's pacing back and forth on his roof. He can't. He can't. (laughs) Almost all my kids, almost all of them, when they were little, they would come to me or Bev at one point in time and say, I don't hear God talk to me. You guys talk about God talking to you, and I, I don't ever hear God talk to me. To which either me or my wife responded always with the same answer. Do you hear a little voice inside your head or in your heart ever telling you not to do something wrong when you're thinking about doing something wrong? Yeah, that's God talking to you. And it doesn't change when we grow up. It doesn't change when we grow up. That's what David's experiencing right now. He's trying to take a nap. He can't. He comes up on the roof to relax. He can't. He's pacing back and forth. He's restless because the Lord is saying, danger, David. Eject, eject, get out. Get out of the situation. But David doesn't flee. He ignores the warning in his heart and he lands smack dab in the middle of temptation. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself literally in the act of bathing. Now, it was customary in the Middle East for a home to have an uncovered courtyard, sometimes in the center, sometimes kind of in a U-shape in the, in the front of the home. But either way, it would usually have an uncovered open out, outside, therefore, courtyard with a well. And the well there, that was considered, that area was considered private because you can only see it from a neighboring roof. Because of that, people refrained from looking down from their roof into your neighbor's courtyard. It was just something you didn't do. Because bathing, cooking, and other activities that required access to water were often done out there as just normal activities. I bring all this up to say two things. Number one, Bathsheba's not trying to catch David or any other guy's eye. It's not like she puts the you know, little needle on the record player and, you know, and some sultry music starts playing and she gets the soap going and then, whoa, whoa. That's not Bathsheba here, okay? On the same token, David's not a peeping Tom hiding on a roof, okay? He's not looking for anything. And yet while those two things are true, David knew that the right thing to do when something catches your eye is to turn away. When he noticed her, he knows he's supposed to turn away, but he doesn't. Now, the King James is very misleading here. It says, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. It's not like David's out on the roof and he's like, oh, look, there's a woman bathing. She's not attractive. Oh, there's a... You know, this is not what's going on here. In fact, the phrase she was very beautiful to look upon is a very poor translation. It just means she was very pleasing and very desirable in his eyes. 
In other words, it has nothing to do with Bathsheba. It has everything to do with David. You see, instead of turning away, David begins to feast on what he sees. He begins to drink it in. James chapter 1 describes this kind of a a process, this downgrade of temptation. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, James explains. James 1, verse 14. There's more to the picture here, but I just want to highlight the process. But every man, verse 14, James 1, is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, in other words, when it has has come to full growth, it brings forth death. And so we see this process here. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire, right? This is not on Bathsheba. This is on David. David had desire. He wanted something that was not okay to want. And then he became enticed and trapped by that desire. That desire took hold. The idea where I mentioned the way you mostly stay out of sexual sin is just by not putting yourself in the position. Because what happens when you start drinking it in, when you have desire, is that there are chemicals that start working in your, in your body. And now you're not just fighting intellectually, you're fighting something physical. And if you allow yourself to be entrapped, enticed, well, when you act upon that lust, you now you've sinned. And if you allow sin to become full grown, things start to die around you. Yes, David shouldn't have been in this spot. But once he realized the situation, he should have fled. I ask you a question because I know and many folks I've talked to that it's true. How many times have we sought relaxation or rest in the living room or a bedroom, flipping through channels or scouring the internet or social media? We're restless because nothing we find in our search is scratching whatever itch we have. That may be innocent at heart, but God makes us restless because he doesn't want us doing that. If you're constantly looking for something to satisfy, guess what's going to happen? Someone's going to step in to provide the material to satisfy. And those environments are not necessarily screaming Jesus at you. They're screaming a lot of other things. In those moments when we are experiencing restlessness, and I know it's hard. Sometimes you just want to chill. You just want to sit down. You just want to relax. But in those moments when you're seeking out that and you're restless, that's the Lord telling you, I want you to deny yourself right now and do something of value. There are times in my life when I've come to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what to do with my time right now. And I have, I have no conviction whatsoever about just chilling out. I'm not saying, you know, it's like 24-7, you got to go, go, go. If you're not thinking about Jesus 24-7, you're in sin. That's not my point. There are times the Lord it's fine with us relaxing. You know, I remember I used to feel guilty for going out with my family and just having a time of fun or whatever. The Lord, our resources could be used elsewhere. My time could be used better. You know, the Lord's like, really? You could spend time better than spending it with your family, laughing and enjoying one another's company, you know, having good conversations with your kids, with your bride? Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. But in those moments when 
you're on your own and you're restless, <laughs> that's God telling you, danger. I want you to deny yourself right now and I want you to do something of value. Now again, there we are. We're not listening to that. We ignore that. And then what usually happens? Bam. Ooh, what's that? And all of a sudden we find ourselves confronted with something that begins to irresistibly tug at us. And when you and I let it get to that point, it is very difficult to put everything into reverse and flee. And so because David doesn't run, he ends up taking the leap from lust to sin. Look at verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. In David's inflamed lust, he now begins to pull other people onto the roof to ask if any of them know who she is. Can you imagine how horrid that is? I mean, you're up on your roof, you know, and you, you see this lady bathing. You're not supposed to be looking, but now you're not just looking, you're drinking it in. And then, you know, you're calling a couple servants up. You go, anybody know that gal? Now you brought other people into this. That's how inflamed David is in his lust at this point. And that's why it's so dangerous to let it get to this point. Because you're not thinking correctly at that point. All the normal stoppers that are in mind that would normally keep you from doing something are gone. All of the the speed bumps and the bob barricades and the warning signs that are in front of you, you've already bypassed them all. All that's left is the, the big maw of the cliff. And you're going 90 miles an hour towards it. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours. Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.